Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all your favorite pop stars and rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. I am, of course, your host, DJ Louis the 14th. Welcome back to another episode. I want to kick this episode off by kind of doing what I've done before, which is asking if you would please subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. But more so than doing that, I actually wanted to just take a quick moment up top here to share some of my favorite reviews in recent memory. I've gotten so many fun ones from people that I want to shout out and also say thank you, obviously, for leaving them. People say the sweetest things and they also leave the most hilarious suggestions for episode subjects. Insightful. Many are insightful, but some are also funny. Obviously, people like Shocky Mama 7 say we hope we do Taylor Swift soon. Obviously, that's everybody's number one priority, it seems like. Esk8 left a comment saying that they love the podcast so much and they're dying for a Bruno Mars episode and dare they say it, a Kanye episode, which seems like a tall order right now, but also kind of can't wait to dive into Kanye and talk a little bit about how we process his music in the context of what's been going on with him lately. And of course... M. Kutaro4, who left a message recently that said, so good, please do an episode on Farrah Abraham's avant-garde album, which, like, sure, that's would be interesting, I think. That's funny. So anyway, I really love when people leave reviews with suggestions of who they want to hear. So if you're looking to drop a review or you haven't done it yet or you want to leave another one, drop a review and let me know who you'd like to see on the podcast. I also wanted to highlight that we are going to be doing a mailbag mini-sode in the next few weeks. So this is a really good time to get in any questions you have about pop, about Pop Pantheon, about artists we've covered in the past. The best way to do it is to send me an email at poppantheonpod at gmail.com, but you can also shoot me a DM at poppantheonpod on Instagram or at djlouieXIB on Instagram. Get your questions in. I'm going to go through a series of them in an upcoming mini-sode. I also really wanted to share a DM I got last week about the Nelly Furtado episode of a couple weeks ago from Jason Q on Instagram. And he said, Hey, Louie, thank you so much for doing the Nelly Furtado episode. You have given a gift to the gay millennial Canadian community. You're so welcome. But I could not disagree with you more on your read of I'm Like a Bird. Nelly isn't being sweet or naive or inspiring in this song. She's a cold-hearted fuckboy girly with chronic commitment issues. She spends the whole song managing the expectations of a man who ultimately isn't bringing enough to the table to keep her tied down. The chorus is a statement. It's a warning. She will leave you, even if there's some real love and affection today. The the song is a little melancholy and quietly absolutely savage. Anyway, he goes on and on, but I actually re-listened to I'm Like a Bird with this in mind and realized he's really right. I mean, I don't know if I agree that it's like fuckboyism as much as it's just sort of like a young girl who doesn't think she can be tied down and like feels bad about it, but like really needs to find her own joy in life and isn't ready for a relationship. But I thought that was an interesting read and I honestly thought he was really right. So I had to share that with everybody. So that's it for me up top today. This is an episode many people have requested and it's a fascinating one with a really dynamic and dare I say hilarious guest. Barbs, don't come for me. I love you. I'm one of you. But anyway, without further ado, here is Pop Pantheon, Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj lives at an important pop nexus point. At her core, she's a rapper's rapper, a classicist steeped in the greats who places the ultimate premium on traditional hip-hop values. 
intricate wordplay, lethal punchlines, varied flows, and vocal dexterity. A lyricist who spits capital B bars whenever she's appeared on the 100-plus Hot 100 hits she's graced over the last 15 years. But an equal force in her artistry over her meteoric career has been her keen commercial instincts, her relentless drive to break down any divider between rap and centrist pop, incorporating candy-coated pop star aesthetics and often head-spinning genre malleability into a potent mix. It's made her not only the most successful female rapper in history and perhaps the biggest featured artist of all time, but also a bona fide pop megastar in her own right. Over the last decade, Nicki Minaj has played a critical role in breaking down, sometimes gracefully and sometimes less so, any remaining doors between pop and hip-hop and as a result, remaking pop in her image. Born in Trinidad and Tobago to two gospel singers, Nicki Minaj was raised from age five in Jamaica, Queens, one of hip-hop's original birthplaces. After attending the LaGuardia School for Music and Performing Arts as a teenager, Nicki initially pursued a career as an actress before pivoting to rap. She released a series of mixtapes in the mid to late 2000s, which garnered the attention of superstar rapper and young money label boss Lil Wayne, culminating in 2009's Beam Me Up Scotty. Scotty became her mainstream breakthrough, earning plaudits from major outlets like MTV for showcasing not only her formidable rapping skills, versatility, and undeniable star quality, but a knack for hooks and an almost Dadaist ability to switch between distinct voices and fully fleshed out characters and personas, often in the course of one verse. Scotty also established Nikki as the first plausible female rap superstar in years, following a story drought in the mid to late 2000s. Her ultra-entertaining zaniness made her the queen of a sizable and foundational stan army, the Barbs, as well as the go-to for features on songs by pop stars and rappers alike. Throughout 2009 and 2010, Nicki delivered a litany of star-making guest appearances on tracks like Robin Thicke's Shaking It For Daddy, Ludacris's My Chick Bad, Usher's Little Freak, Young Money's Bedrock, Yo Gotti's Five Star Remix, and ultimately, Kanye West's Monster, spitting a verse that is widely considered to be one of the greatest in hip-hop history. Pull up in a monster automobile gangster With a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka Yeah, I'm in a tanga, color a Willy Wonka You could be the king, but watch the queen conquer But Nicki always clearly had ambitions outside of being mere rap accoutrement on bigger stars' hits. In 2010, Nicki began rolling out her debut album, Pink Friday, with a series of controversial tracks that seemed to fly in the face of everything that had made her famous in the first place. There were the mostly sung R&B ballads like Right Through Me or Featherweight Pop on Your Love and Black Eyed Peas-esque electropop on the Bugle sampling Check It Out. These singles seemed like head-scratchers in the moment. Why was perhaps the most promising rap talent in recent memory producing anodyne pop tracks in her solo work, which seemed to only hem in her singular talent? But Nicki was playing the long game. 
While these initial singles didn't connect commercially in the same way as her features, Pink Friday was an out-the-gate hit, hitting number one on the Billboard chart and selling 375,000 copies in its first week. And while her initial attempts at pure pop singles didn't quite gel, she eventually found a breakout solo hit in one of the album's bonus tracks. When the bubblegum pop rap track Super Bass became an organic smash in 2011, peaking at number three on the Hot 100 and establishing Nicki as a pop star to rival Katie, Gaga, and Kesha. Following Pink Friday and Super Bass's success, Nicki was both flying high and also in a bit of a quagmire. While she had found her way to broader pop success in a way no female rapper had in almost a decade, she'd also damaged her hip-hop credibility with the album's overt pivot towards mainstream pop sounds. But ever the iconoclast, Nicki refused to be pigeonholed, and on her second album, 2012's Pink Friday Roman Reloaded, she doubled down on this dichotomy in her artistry. On the back half of the album were a series of fairly anonymous, flavor-of-the-moment EDM dance tracks produced by Lady Gaga collaborator Red One, including the divisive smash Starships, which only furthered criticism from the hip-hop community. But on the album's first half, Nicki proved her hip-hop bona fides on spare rap tracks, which showcased her nimble bars and almost avant-garde multiple personalities on tracks like Come on a Cone and the hit 2 Chains collaboration Bees in the Trap. Roman Reloaded may have produced whiplash for the casual listener and seemed disjointed and identityless at the time, but has since proved prescient, foregoing a coherent album in order for Nicki to occupy two distinct pop spaces simultaneously the glossy pop star and the vicious spitter in equal measure. As pop moved away from the EDM gloss of the early 2010s and towards hip-hop sounds in the middle of the decade, thanks in no small part to Nicki's bridging of the genres, Nicki continued to be the magic touch as a featured artist on hits from artists as wide-ranging as David Guetta, Beyonce, Katy Perry, Ariana Grande, Britney Spears, and Madonna, to Drake, French Montana, Migos, Waka Flocka Flame, and Rick Ross. She released her third album, The Pink Print, in 2015, which featured the number two peaking lead single, Anaconda, the eye-popping video for which broke the first day streaming record on Vivo. Nikki has continued her run of hits through the present day, mostly as a featured artist on tracks by Doja Cat, YG, Bia, Yo Gotti, and a plethora of others. Her defiance of genre markers has paved the way for a new generation of female rappers turned pop superstars like Doja, Megan Thee Stallion, and Sweetie. She released her fourth album, Queen, in 2019, which featured the top 10 hit Chun-Li. Since 2010, Nicki has accumulated 119 chart entries on the Hot 100, tying her for the fifth most entries among artists and the most for any female in pop music history. 
She's also earned 19 top 10 singles in her career, giving her the most among female rappers. Nicki has sold over 100 million records worldwide, making her the best-selling female rapper of all time. She's often referred to as the queen of rap and has won eight American Music Awards, five MTV Music Video Awards, six MTV Europe Music Awards, 12 BET Awards, four Billboard Music Awards, a Brit Award, and three Guinness World Records. In 2016, Time included Nicki on their annual list of the 100 most influential people in the world. Here on the podcast to dissect one of the most chameleonic and influential pop acts of the modern era is certified Barb and host of the podcast Keep It, Ira Madison III. All right, so I'm here with writer and host of the incredible podcast Keep It, Ira Madison III. Welcome to Pop Pantheon. Thank you for having me. This is so exciting. I'm so excited, and I've been such a huge fan of your writing and, of course, of Keep It For So Long, and we finally got the chance to meet each other uh, a couple months ago I know. when I had the privilege of uh, DJing your birthday party. You were truly the best. I, I like Even yesterday, I was with a friend, and they were just offhand being like, who was that person who DJed your party because the music was <laughs> so good? It was amazing, and I to remain to our conversation. First of all, thank you, and to remain to our conversation today, I feel like we got to run through some really great classic Nikki deep cuts. We did, including one of my favorite Pink Friday bonus tracks, "Money." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love that nonsense song. People always forget about it. It was like, you know, Pink Friday is such an interesting album because, like, a lot of the album tracks are, I mean, we'll get there, but, like, are, you know, uh, I mean, maybe, uh, uh, I don't know. But then, like, on the bonus tracks were some of her best tracks ever, obviously super bass, but Mooney. Mooney was, like, one of those records where I was like, this is the kind of music I want Nikki to be making in this era, and she was kind of, like, refusing on the rest of the album. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so interesting also because, I mean, like, obviously Pink Friday and Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded are two different albums. But right. they feel like the same album just because they kept mm. being called Pink Friday. And then it was like Roman Reloaded. Then it was the re-up. And it's like she, everything was Pink Friday for, I feel like, a decade. Agreed. And also, <laughs> I mean, it's it's so true. But also, like, you're speaking to what I think is, like, kind of a bigger thing about Nikki's career, which is, like, no one has released more music in the last 10, 12, 15 years than Nicki Minaj. I mean, is there someone with, like, a bigger discography Drake. if you're counting her features? Well, Drake. She's, like, got... <laughs> Drake, Drake. Drake is always Drake, on sure. someone's random song. Constantly. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I, I don't know though. I I was listening to some like Spotify playlist just now of like Nikki features, and it was literally 15 hours. Oh, ago. is it the one with her holding like an apple on the cover? Yeah. I I shuffle that when I drive, like. At least three times a week. Yeah. It's like endless. You're like, oh my God, that song. Oh my God, that's like, what the hell? Like, this woman has made so much music. But what I was going to say is that she's not really like a traditional albums artist. Like, in a way, it's hard to like separate her into album eras like we normally do with pop stars because, I mean, definitely on those first two albums, it's like she's so stylistically diverse and she's so able to kind of like do so many different things that like it's not like you look at a Nicki Minaj album and you're like oh this is her this era or her that era I feel like her career is kind of one giant like ongoing melange of features and album tracks and mm -hmm. like, you know what I mean exactly exactly yeah there's never really been eras so to speak the eras I guess are more about like what's going on in her life hmm. you know like the de delineations of there you know it's like the albums are sort of for the most part, the same. Like this is the same. It's the same vibe, 
you know it's the same right. vibe you know it's not like you know to throw it back to like you know like classic like one of my favorite rappers jay-z you know it's like right you have like the reasonable doubt sort of like gritty era but then you've got like the poppy neptunes era but mm -hmm. then you've got mm -hmm. you know like the black album where it's like kanye production right. so it's like slowed down that sort of mm. like rap that like kanye was the forefront of producing you know and so like but the nikki productions i guess you're really just between like hard rap where she's like really flowing almost like a biggie style i would say and mm. then her pop music you know it's like <laughs> it's just sort of like the two but she tends to put both of those kinds of songs on an entire album you know, so it's not like we've gotten like a pop album from Nicki and then right, we get exactly. a, and then we get a hard hip hop album. It's sort of like no. each album is a mix of everything. <laughs> you know, it, it's you're so right. And it's so interesting because I would argue that in a way that's like led to a situation where she's never made like a truly great album, in my personal opinion. But her business acumen is always like kind of front and center. Like I've always felt like Nicki always knew what she had to do to like make herself the most successful absolutely and she didn't let like artistic integrity get in her way here's the <laughs> thing here's the thing and it's it's sort of the crew that she runs with right drake is another person who it's the collection of him needing to be the most famous person and there's so much material and the albums have like 30 fucking tracks on them each time they <laughs> drop but it's also lent itself to even as a drake fan i don't really pick like a drake album to listen to mm -hmm. you know it's, mm -hmm. it's just sort of like mm -hmm. pick the songs that you like from a drake album because there's so many uh, Choose your own adventure. Right. You know, I mean, I think yeah. Take Care probably would, people would say, like, that's I, his I, album. I was going to say, I feel like I remember it in the Pink Friday Take Care era. I used to get really frustrated because I was such a huge Nicki fan and I'd be waiting for a great Nicki album. I'd be like, why doesn't she want to make a great album? Like, she's, I feel like she's capable of doing it. And I'd be like, you know, Drake's over here, like, you know, at, in that era was kind of like an album artist who would craft these sort of like super self-contained aesthetic ideas mm -hmm. in his albums that like made them work as one thing. And I thought, oh, Nicki will eventually get there. She'll do that. And the reverse happened, which is that like the album has receded and become like kind of the least important aspect of like a pop star's career at this point it's like almost like do pop stars even need to make albums anymore it's like a slow drip of music or constantly putting stuff out feels so much more important than having like self-contained album eras in this day and age and spot in the streaming era and drake has kind of moved into her lane more i feel like at this point in his later albums i literally just said to a friend the other day i was like does anyone realize that sweetie has never released an album <laughs> she has so many fucking singles I'm telling you I can say it to people like does Lil Nas X even I mean Lil Nas X ended up making a decent album but I was like do we need an album from Lil Nas X like he could just kind of keep doing what he's been doing singles videos like it's it's almost like albums are an optional thing at this point I feel like for pop stars you know but I do sort of think Nicki was ahead of her time in the sense of like let me make records that like can get me the most possible 
amount of people listening to me. Mm-hmm. And I actually read an interesting quote from her as I was going through preparing for this. And that this will bring us into what I feel like we should start our conversation on her about, which is she was talking about the female rappers of the previous generation, about Little Kim and about Foxy. And it was in response to a question of like, why do you make these pop songs? Like, why do you make Starships? Why do you make these songs? Like, why you're such a good rapper? Why are you not just like making great rap songs? And it was something along the lines of like, yeah, and look like where they are now. Like they're like in public housing. You know what I mean? Like she was like, she li- she made some comment like that. She was like, as a black woman, like in an industry that is unfriendly to black women and especially to female rappers, like I'm not trying to just like stay in my lane. Like I'm here to like become a superstar. And like, this is what you have to do. I mean, Beyonce made single ladies for a reason. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So let's go back a little bit to like just briefly just touch on the sort of like wave of female rappers that came before Nikki because mm-hmm. one of the big aspects of Nikki's origin story was that she ended a drought period for female rappers mm-hmm. in both hip hop and in a pop space. The so drought is over. The drought is <laughs> over. I so. And let's just say, for all of, like, Nikki's, I think, like, prickly history with other female rappers, because she hasn't always been the most kind and welcoming of other women through the doors that she opened. I feel like maybe she's gotten better about that in recent years, but there was a period where it felt like she liked Monopoly. (laughs) No, listen, no shade. No shade, because I enjoy them. But the women that she's pulled into her, like, coterie, like a Bia, so much Bia marketing this year and then if you saw Bia's performance at the Fenty show I just there's there's Bia's no threat (laughs) oh my god well she collabed with Meg yes but I think that was also before Meg's superstardom and Doja but she got it well she hopped on that Doja song like when that Doja song was like she rode that coattail she got it early (laughs) and do you do you think she texts either of them I I wouldn't (laughs) dare to speculate but (laughs) and I'll keep it at that so tell me about like how you view kind of like how the female rappers of like the late 90s, early 2000s, Kim, Foxy, Missy, Lauren, how did they relate to pop music? Like were they pop stars in that sense in the way that Nicki is? You know what? They weren't. I will say that Kim came the closest because Kim was a right. fashion girl. You know, right. like David LaChapelle and people like love Kim, you know, so like Kim was at, I feel like at runway shows, you know, like she was like in that sort of like vibe in New York, you know, like in that 2000s, like that was really helpful to her. And it was also sort of like the association with sort of like Puffy and them in that era, you know, it was like a lot of like hip hop becoming super, super mainstream. What you want to do? Want to be ballers, shot callers, brawlers, we'll be dipping in the bed. In a way that it hadn't before, like the TRLification of hip hop. Sure. I think her big pop, you know, was like Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge, absolutely. Come through with the money in the garden belts. Let them know we bout that cake straight out the gate. Be independent women, some mistakes for whores. I'm saying, why spend mine when I can spend How many licks? My unsung classic, no matter what they say. Mm. Is is, is pop song. song. 
pop song. Yes. And she danced with backup dancers. Mm-hmm. She had aesthetics of like a pop star in a lot of ways. Yeah, but Nikki's the one who perfected that, you know? She is. And Nikki, you know, I actually was thinking about this when I was writing the questions and I was like, you know, a lot was made early on about comparing Nikki and Kim and Nikki picking up a lot of the mantle that Kim had established. I actually think Nikki's more kind of like, in terms of being a rapper and in terms of the music she makes, she shares more in common with like a Missy or a Busta just in terms of just the sheer sort of like diversity of styles and like zaniness of the entire Absol- thing. Absolutely. Nikki's a crazy lady. And that's part of like the fun and excitement of her is like mm-hmm. she talks in different voices. She can do 20 million different styles of tracks. She, that was very busted and missy. Aesthetically, Nikki definitely drew, especially early on, a lot on like what Kim did in terms of like sort of creating this female rapper as pop star. You know, and I think that that had to do a lot with like the wigs, the colorful outfits, dancing in choreo, the videos. There was like more of a ch- impetus from Little Kim to sort of, you know, to not just like stand on the stage like the male rappers of that mm-hmm. day and just sort of rap. Like she wanted to give you a show. Kim came up in that Ada, you know, under Biggie, you know, and that right. kind of rap. That's what rap was. And mm-hmm. for Nikki, you know, she went to LaGuardia, you know, she's a theater girl, you know, they love to yes, speak in accents, you know, there's a lot going on. I actually think. You know, so much got wrapped up in the Nikki Kim of it all. I'm glad you brought up Missy because the saddest thing for me actually is like that we never got any kind of like Nikki and like Missy collabo. I know. What's that about? That would have been honestly iconic, especially during the era where Nikki was doing her, you know, doing her best Lady Gaga. And they were really out, they were really (laughs) out theatering each other. Oh constantly you know that was interesting moment too i think because kind of like we are now in 2021 the early 2000s was also an era where hip-hop was more central to pop music you had the sort of jaw rules as like one of the biggest pop stars in the world you had like a lot of crossover sort of rap pop and b sort of vibes with like j-lo jaw rule ashanti nelly all the hits of that era even like on a in a pop sense we're hip hop adjacent in a certain way and that's kind of like a phase that we're in now but that sort of shifted at a certain point after sort of Foxy and Missy's sort of like huge success in the early 2000s there was kind of like a drought of female rappers they all kind of simultaneously disappeared from at least from like being big superstars i mean do you have any sense of what happened exactly a lot of them were just done dirty by men. <laughs> I mean, was it just... I mean, sometimes I think it was like, did little Kim just go to jail? And Missy had like some physical problems and Lauren had whatever was going on with Lauren. But like, I don't know. I always think it's just really interesting that they all disappeared. I mean, I think what you were getting at is true. It's like, it's always been hard for females in rap to kind of like have a moment. And maybe it just was, it just got too difficult at a certain point. We got lucky that there were so many at one moment and then... There just weren't, but I always wonder, like, what happened exactly? It's it's a very strange Like thing. I said, you know, it was that TRL of vacation, you know, of rap. And then, you know, once you had bigger white crossovers like an Eminem and, like, you had, like, Limp Biscuit and stuff like that happening, I feel like there were more sort of, like, white female rappers popping up in the 2000s, people trying to just put, like, rap into, like, a white packaged space, you know? Like who? I don't know, like a Lady Sovereign. Oh my god, Lady Sovereign! Oh my god, I haven't thought about 
her in a long I time. I thought about her the other day because my friend referenced, like, hey, I love it, still an obsession. And I went to look her up, and it was... It's very disappointing. I have more Instagram followers than her, and she is not verified. <laughs> and I was very sad for her. That was an album, you know? I mean, we also can't discount, you know, like Trina during that era still being popular. Mm -hmm. Eve, Lil Mama. Lil Mama. That Lil Mama had a little little moment there. That was yeah. that was like 05, 06, right? Yeah. What you know about me? What you, what you know about me? What you know about me? What you, what you know? Except my lip gloss is cool. My lip gloss be popping. I'm standing at my locker, and all the boys keep stopping. So we have this golden era of female rappers in the late 90s, early 2000s, Kim, Foxy, Missy, Eve Lauren, etc. And then there's kind of this notorious drought period in the mid to late 2000s. Although, as you point out, there were some like novelty one hit wonders or no hit wonders like Lady Sovereign and Lil Mama. But no sort of like female rap superstars really break through in the mid to late 2000s. What? exactly like when Nikki does emerge what do you think it is that makes her special in that early phase like if we're talking about her early mixtapes and we can talk particularly about her first sort of breakthrough mixtape which is called Be Me Up Scotty and it was the thing that originally got her a lot of attention what do you think she was doing on that either musically or in terms of how she's presenting herself that allowed her to be the person that broke this dry spell I think a lot of it was you know the like flow but you know the just sort of like freestyling you know it was like people sort of wanted a little bit of like you know like authenticity coming out of you know such like a mainstream pop you know just sort of like really commercial era for hip hop I just came out of the motherfucking old school got my Mac notebook with the pro toes that bitches ain't ready for Nicki Lowenski bad woof woof flyer than a frisbee so I'm up in Mandalay eating mangoes keep a couple pink toes in my sandals got some bangles all over my ankles such a star they sing and I star also just felt like a throwback to 90s hip-hop felt you know like it wasn't made in a boardroom like she was a real one is yeah. what you're saying yeah it was it wasn't rap made to sell cell phone jingles mm. yeah but but it's all very, that's very interesting because i agree with you in terms of that like she's very authentically hip-hop and she's a rapper's rapper in many senses but also she as we were sort of talking about there is this like insane amount of theatricality that's going on even right away on these early mixes. that's fair that's fair yeah you know, but I think that was actually that was part of the winning formula was like, you know, as I went back and listened to Be Me Up, Scotty, I was just like the sheer amount of thought that went into making sure every minute of every rap was as entertaining and impactful as it possibly could be was impressive like the way she moves from vo from voice to voice the way she switches her flow up from rap to rap like there was a certain amount of like perfectionism integrity and just sort of like sheer kind of zaniness but like fully realized that really does stand out like even on that early mixtape in a way that I found like extremely impressive and must have been very exciting after having like so few female rappers that were garnering that kind of attention I was on the plane with the wine you could call me Whitley I go to hell Maine. Listen, I'm the baddest in the school, the baddest in the game. Excuse me, honey, but nobody's in my lane. When you was in New York, you was fucking a Yankee. I was fucking with bass, I was pitching to Frankie. These bitches so cranky, get them a hanky. My mommy, I'm cold, give me my blankie. Flyer than a K, I get higher than Rapunzel. Keep the snow white, I could buy it by the bundle. Stuff your cookies up before they crumble. Don't be acting like the Cardinals and going fumble. So a close friend of mine we met when I was in NYU in graduate school around when Beam Me Up Scotty dropped and like we met like right. rapping the lyrics to Itty Bitty Piggy after it dropped and oh. it was like 
we were some of the like few people at that party who knew that and everybody was who knew it was like no this is it this is a song that's Nikki it. Nikki is a moment yeah totally and also the other thing that was so funny that's one of her best fucking a- songs and it's not even on her debut and it's album. one of her best songs and she's so funny Ira like she there's never a moment like on a Nikki song where it's like her punchlines like she could be a stand up comedian like, yes the, the sheer the sheer entertainment value of the whole thing is kind of mind blowing like like her jokes are hilarious her flows are perfect the per- multiple personalities coming through it's like this woman's brain is like some sort of crazy fun house and like her ability to sort of realize that in her music was very obvious right from the beginning I found when I listened back to it. So Nikki emerges, has this huge moment with the with her mixtape Beam Me Up Scotty. She's signed by Lil Wayne. So this is another thing that I think is important for us to highlight is that we're still in an era at this time which does I think connect her to the female rappers of yore where they need this like male cosign mm-hmm. to like get on. Like that Lil Wayne cosign I feel like was so important to Nikki having like credibility, which feels like really unfair and kind of weird looking back at it. Like now we have artists like Cardi, Meg, they don't need to like come through in a crew, but Nikki sort of had to have that like little Wayne cosign, which I found kind of interesting. When I was going back through this, I was just thinking, you know, obviously now we have Nikki as this independent superstar, but it was fascinating to remember that even like 10, 12 years ago, someone that was such a titanic force and someone that was so obviously an exciting rapper and artist like kind of needed that cosign in 2008 or 2009 in order to have any sort of credibility as a rapper and how like you know newer artists like Cardi and Megan and stuff have thanks to Nikki gotten into a place where that isn't the case anymore but I think the internet helped you know the internet the internet helped the internet helped push those like Cardi as well you know like the freestyles, the like the freestyles yeah. are what made Megan blow blow up. Really, I feel like you know, right. and like we yes. saw those online and Cardi's Instagram and and Cardi's yeah. Instagram presence. We didn't need them like, popping I mean, up on a mixtape, you know, that a uh, male yeah, rapper exactly. had made, you know. But the internet totally. was still in its sort of like infancy in that sort of space pre like Instagram, you know, and Twitter mm-hmm. really um, when Nikki was first coming right. Up. You know, so she comes out of this mixtape and she has she comes on like a series of features that kind of become her real commercial breakthrough she has five star bits which is a yo Gotti song she's on bedrock the young money song okay i get it let me think i guess it's my turn maybe it's time to put this pussy on your sideburns he say i'm bad he probably she establishes this ability early on to both sort of be on these harder, more like straightforward hip hop tracks with guys and also sort of be like frothy, fun, sort of like silly pop rap girl. She kind of starts this run, which I think is coming. And to eats everybody her. up. Eats every that's the thing. Like Nikki is the best part of any song that she's on. What do you think makes Nikki work so well as kind of like an accoutrement on another person's song? Like why, what is it about that that is such like, that makes her perhaps the greatest featured artist of all time? She knows how to do a fucking hot 16, you know? Like she comes (laughs) in and she understands the assignment every time. Even her throwaway ones, you know, will elevate like a song. Like why else am I listening to like a fucking like Megan Trainor song? Except because like <laughs> Nikki's verse is is like wasn't it clearly she did in like five minutes, 
in the car sent as a voice memo. Uh, it's still it's still great you know yeah I agree and I think it has to do a lot with like the sheer entertainment value I kept thinking she puts so much thought into like how do I make these verses like as dynamic multifaceted like filled with changes and flows and voices and all of these things like a lot goes into those 16 bars she makes sure that she shows up and is the most entertaining part of all of these she's also a Sagittarius so she gets bored easily (laughs) Uh, and I think that you know like a short burst is you know is very good for her you know we, what, what what are some of your favorite or of these early features i mean my f- absolute fave is my chick bad mm, my with chick luda now will these bitches want to try and be my bestie but i take a left and leave them hanging like a test trash top to one that i put on man i have to running down a board i'm dunking on them lisa it's going down. They're, they're both doing what they're doing best. She's still, she's got her pink like little hair then. Mm-hmm. It's like the crazy looks, like the personas in there, Romans in there. And it's fun. Like they're trading so funny verses, you know? Describe Roman for the, fa- for the, Roman's for the like her British like persona. He's insane, you know? Chef cooking for me. They say my shoe came crazy. The mental asylum looking for me. You a rookie to me. I'm in that wham, bam, verbal lamb, damn, bitch, you been a Isn't he gay? Yeah. Isn't yeah. he the gay man? Yeah. Yeah. Take your medication, <laughs> Roman. Uh, oh, God. We'll talk about that. It's Nightmare on Elm Street, and guess who's playing Freddy? You know? Like, guess who's playing Freddy? <laughs> like, it's, it's great. It's a, it's a great song. Which persona is the one that's. No, 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 no. Like where she kind of growls uh, and screams, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I guess who's playing Freddy? I was hoping you can help me like differentiate the personas because sometimes uh, I get a little bit confused. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think that's Martha Zelonsky. <laughs> that's the mother the of The mother Roman? of Roman. Roman is the one on my chick bag. That's Roman. Roman, right. Roman's like a demon. Roman's the deep guttural, you know, like, guess right. who's playing yeah, Freddy? Yeah. That's Roman. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's Roman. Martha Zelonsky <laughs> is on Roman Holiday. Take your medication, Roman. Take a short vacation, Roman. You'll be okay. You know, she's the one who's, like, taking Roman to task. She's the British voice. Oh, okay. Yes. Got it. Okay. And and Roman is British, too. (laughs) Sometimes. Sometimes. There's Ken Zelonsky, which is, you know, like, I think the fans came up with Ken, um, but that's on Mm -hmm. Massive Attack. It's just some wicked, Ken, bad, bad. We just shut it down, but the club got glitches, dig it? Oh, okay. Uh, And then there's, there's Tyrone. (laughs) <laughs> who's who's on Till the World Ends, the Femme Fatale remix. Right, she's the he's the one that she like inelegantly described as a crackhead, I think, at some point. Which 
one is uh, Harajuku Barbie? Uh, Harajuku Barbie's on Itty Bitty Piggy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So is Harajuku Barbie just kind of like her like sassy spitting? Yeah, that's so. That's that, kind of. that. Yeah, that's the one sort of like you know like you can put my fruit out. That's that's <laughs> that's, that's her. In addition to picking my fruit out, I want y'all to start going to the boutiques. You know what I'm saying? Get some get some get some crazy shit for me. I want I want you know leopard skin and you know I want I want all that crazy yep. lizard skin yep. shit like you know. Yep. Make sure you you could be my yep. personal yep. shopper. <laughs> but then like sometimes when she does a hard verse two though, then she's the female wheezy. Mm. So that's when she sounds like Little Wayne, basically. Yes. Yeah. I am the female wheezy. This shit is easy. Pull up in that noonu. Bitch, get a squeegee. Get my flow sick. Get get my flow queasy. Haha, they were sleeping on me. Z z z z z. Okay, that was extremely helpful. Thank you. So this actually Harajuku Barbie makes me think of uh, something that we should definitely touch on here. And I want to say, Ira, you're brave for coming on here because I've had people be afraid to talk about Nikki in the past because they deeply fear the barbs. So I would like to just talk for a second about how. Okay, but you know I am one. I know. So there's a critical <laughs> aspect, a critical aspect of Nikki's pop stardom and of a lot of pop stars who emerge in this era are these stan armies that kind of emerge with them. And the barbs are one of the foundational ones. So what is the sort of like culture of barbism? Like what are the barbs like and why do people fear the barbs so much? I mean, <laughs> listen, it's uh <laughs> they, 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 they could end the Cold War, okay? Barbs, <laughs> tear down that wall. <laughs> uh, I, I listen. I enjoy being a barb. Well, you know, right. from time to time. Right. And I definitely know that barbs have killed. They've murdered. They they've have. murdered. People are, die. They've for sh no question. But are there like unique characteristics to the barbs that sort of make them different than those other groups? It's really sort of like the internet wordplay. You know, right. like Beehive mm -hmm. is really more like, so like say it's Beehive, like Beehive is more like matter of fact, Beyonce is the queen. She's better sure. than everyone else. You will be reminded of such if you disagree. I Barbs see. are, Nikki is the best. They, they can lovingly like, you know, like drag her from time to time. Mm -hmm. Not too much, mm -hmm. but a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like a little bit, she'll enjoy it. You know, a Barb won't like matter of factly tell you like you're the, Nikki is the best. They will say that your mother is mentally disabled and should be thrown out a window. <laughs> your family should be shot to death on the street. That is what a barb will do. You know, it's much more violent. God. But this is but it's, this is rap, okay? It's rap. It's not it's, pop. It's not opera. It's not opera, yeah. as Nikki famous would say. Yeah. Famously would say. Um, <laughs> it's not opera. It's rap. It's not opera. This is rap. Um, <laughs> I mean, is it safe to say the barbs kind of like that all stand armies, but the barbs in particular, like represent their queen. It's like yeah. Nikki's funnier. Nikki has more of a self-deprecating persona. And also Nikki interacts with her fans. Beyonce doesn't really like interact with her fans on social media. Like no. the barbs and Nikki have like a very close relationship where they like Nikki talks to them all the time. I'll never forget that hilarious Instagram live where she like got mad at them about something. Yeah. And she started this Instagram live and she starts going like everybody get out of here if you're not a barb. I have to have a talk with the barbs. And like one of the barbs like wrote in the uh, chat, like, are we in trouble? And she was like, yes, you are in trouble. She was like scolding them like yeah. she was their mother. <laughs> yeah. But clear out every, all the general public clear out of this live is for the barbs. I got to have a one-on-one -on -one talk 
with them right now. Yes, y'all did. Talking about we ain't do nothing. Yes, y'all did. No. I mean, she um, did she see the recent one where she gave her fan her phone? No. It's on her Instagram. <laughs> it's on her Instagram. It's recent. She's like doing an Instagram live, like in her car. And she's like, oh my God, but you, you, you're here. You're whipped out. And she like hands the fan the phone through the car and says, turn it around on me. Show them my whip. <laughs> I'm like, you're handing him your phone, Nikki. <laughs> but also, Nikki knows that a barb would not run off with her phone. That's what I'm saying. There's like a deep, profound like trust between them. Like I really think they view her as like their mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes sense that I battle with Nikki and like have you know like you know some wavering loyalty sometimes because the same happens with my mother. <laughs> it's not opera, but it's very. It's, it's not opera, That's but real. it's very Greek. It's Freudian for sure. Yeah. So, okay, so Nikki, like, emerges on these huge features. I think we should just, like, take a quick minute and say, like, I think one of the big establishing moments for Nikki is her verse on Monster, where she runs away with a song that features the biggest rappers of the moment, Kanye West, Jay-Z. These are, like, you know, titans of hip-hop. And Nikki walks away with that verse by, like, running through everything I think we've talked about so far about what makes her so great. She's funny. She cycles through every single personality in one verse. She sounds like she's about to like go off the skids at any single moment it's sort of like the psychoticness the zaniness of the whole thing is so part of like what makes her so special to me okay first things first i'll eat your brain then i'ma start rocking gold teeth and fame because that's what a motherfucking monster do he addressed her from milan that's the monster do monster just to be healed that's the monster show young money is the roster and a monster crow and i'm all up all up all up in the bank with the funny face and if i'm fake Are things about that song that you think like are special like why does that verse hang out there as kind of like the emblematic nikki feature of all time well first of all it is the build-up you know mm. it's like mm-hmm. you get kanye you get jay-z but then nikki you know like mm-hmm. it's it's just such an int- like for people who did know her too it's such a great yeah. introduction she pulls mm-hmm. up in the monster automobile gangsta with a mm-hmm. bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Like, who's the bad mm-hmm. bitch? Yes. She's in the Tonka color Willy Wonka. Like, she's immediately just sort of like, no, this is this is it. And, like, everybody knows, first things first, I'll eat your brains. Like, she's like, <laughs> oh, I'm a monster. Come on. Like, first absolutely. things first, I eat the- your brains. It's like top <laughs> ten hip-hop lines ever. I literally, like, there's not one line in that verse that isn't, instantaneously but i can still wrap it from i was just listening to it and i was like yeah, i haven't forgotten if one you can't of this verse if you can't you're not even an you're not even an intermediate barb 
it's one of the great rap verses of all time. Yeah. I mean, and it's and it's uh, it's utterly abundantly clear without having to even really say that much about it about why she walks away with that song. Yeah. And like, and I think in terms of like sheer credibility, I mean, I think she even struggled a little bit even in her early phases. I think because of the sort of the cartoonish presentation with having credibility like within a hip hop context, I think mm. she still like got looked down upon on some in some ways. Yeah. But I think that was a moment for hip hop fans. A, getting co-signed by the two of them, but B, just like the sheer like audacity and sort of like, there's just no denying that that verse is one of the great hip hop verses, not only of that time period, but I would say like of all time. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Top five. Top five. Period. So she rolls out of this big era of features. She's the biggest feature artist she's on. No, Nikki throughout her career does this. She's on and just an infinite amount of music. Like you're just constantly hearing her on every song. She becomes the go-to person. She's makes any song a hit that she's on. And she starts trying to roll out her first solo album called Pink Friday. Well, now Pink, we'll, Pink we'll, Friday we'll is, ignore we'll ignore boys. No, well <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is is Barb's commentary, like, Nikki, why are you spending your time defending this white British girl? Anyway, we're not talking. As you see, we've avoided all controversy to this point. We are just talking about artistry. I haven't said a single thing about the COVID-19 pandemic vaccinations. Uh, Um, Okay, first of all, first of all, she is very vaccinated, okay? I I am just saying that, okay, because I know. That she, if, and, I know uh, that she was vaccinated to have been at the Real Housewives of Potomac reunion. So that's all I'll say on that. To you, I will do. De- you are the TV writer. You work in the industry. I will defer to you on that one. So she starts trying to roll out her album Pink Friday, and interestingly, while she's like kind of unstoppable as a featured artist, like these singles that she tries to roll out are kind of all over the place aesthetically like they're not she's not giving you kind of like the fierce rapper you got on monster you're you get massive attack which like i guess kind of gives you a little bit of that but it's just kind of a weird song me don't like boys that in jumbo. Yeah. One time bust a shot from my champion girls. Tell them guys super size me a combo. No, no, no one got the ammo. Underrated. Underrated agreed. She's, she said she, she hates that song. She had Tom Toms over here bigger than a monster. Okay. Also sampled in sampled in Get Into It, yeah. The great yes. song. Yes. Of, of yes. Um, so props to Doja so for that's history. a real one. That's, that's history. history. But then well, she pivots in this pop direction, mm-hmm. which is really interesting. Like she makes songs like you're like these kind of like frothy, like not super hard rapping songs. Your love. Shiny. Right through me, which she's begins the Nikki tradition of singing into auto tune and like yeah. almost like making fun of Melisma. Or a song like Check It Out with Will I Am, which sounds like kind of like a black eyed peas cast off of the I'm like, sorry, that's not that's Fergie. that song is garbage. I tried to listen to it more recently and it is so bad and it's i horrible. and i say this as a black eyed peas fan 
I'm, I'm and on, also I'm as on, a I'm, uh, Yes, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm on record, though. No, it's about what I'm about to say after this. I will say this. I'm a Black Eyed Peas fan. It's one of my shames, like, being a Maroon 5 fan. But, who? The things that we, outside of the Black Eyed Peas, that we let Will I Am get away with. Yeah. Okay? Okay? Mm -hmm. Big fat bass? I, I, I was just going to say, or the song on Rated R that he ruins. Yes! Like, Photographs? Come, like, yes. come on! But what do you think is the impulse behind her trying to make these totally different sounding songs from, like, the songs on Beam Me Up Scotty or how she sounds on her features? Like, why is she making these weird Because she already had hip-hop cred, you know? She already had right. hip-hop cred. Now she wants the pop cred. She wants to be famous. She wants to be a mm. superstar. She wants to be a legend. Because when you're a legend... Right. When you're legendary, as right. she says, you know that's that's what she wants to be. She wants she that wants same thing. She, she wants that same thing Drake and Kanye wanted. You know, the three of them, yeah, but... the three of them, like their careers intersect so much in the sense that mm. they have seen what has happened to previous pop stars, black pop stars specifically, and they mm. are trying so hard to avoid those pitfalls. But it is, it's Greek in that respect. Like, it's almost like a Greek tragedy. It's like they, they can't. Right. They've seen what happened to Michael. They saw what happened yeah. to Janet Jackson. I, when I was looking back, it was like, I remember being so disappointed by Pink Friday in general mm -hmm. because I wanted rap Nikki so much and she was so spectacular at it. I actually, like, when I was listening back to Pink Friday in preparation for this, I was like, you know, she was really dealing with quite an interesting thing because not only was she the first female rapper to have this amount of attention on her in so long, but she actually emerged in a moment in pop where hip hop was not particularly central. This was like the EDM era. This was the era of Katy Perry, of Lady Gaga, of Kesha. It was all about these kind of like super maximalist, pure pop songs. It wasn't a moment where like hip hop records were having a big breakthrough in, in sort of the center of pop. So she was in a bit of a pickle, I sort of, felt when I was listening back to Pink Friday of like, if you do want to be a superstar on the level that she clearly wanted to be, what kind of music do you make as Nicki Minaj? That's what I kept thinking to myself. Like, mm -hmm. what how do what kind of music like she couldn't get on there and release Itty Bitty Piggy as the debut single from her album if she wanted to be a superstar in this particular moment. Now I think you can. Meg can make songs that are more just directly hip hop songs or like in a post Bodak Yellow universe mm -hmm. make because hip hop is now so central to pop in you know from 2017 to the current moment that like that's not you don't have to be so siphoned off she had this impetus to sort of like make pop like try to find a way to make pop songs she needs a black I mean? she needs a black album honestly <laughs> yeah but she's not that great at making albums i know but she needs she needs jay-z's with kanye production like the black album she needs an yeah. album like that yeah but i don't know because i don't know if nikki's like i still no, she I feel never like will the other thing but she could but she could she's such a businesswoman she's so commercially minded and i feel like in some ways that can detract from some of like the artistic integrity of something you might want from in that sense but there's nikki's always got an eye on her checkbook and of i course. always feel like that's very obvious on her music I, I i actually pulled out a quote from ann powers who's like an incredible critic who wrote about pink friday when it was getting savaged by critics because this album was not very well received generally speaking and she said she's taken a, on a very complicated subject of how any woman artist or not mm -hmm. manipulates her own consciousness to adjust to what life within a still sexist society demands of her 
I, for one, admire her attempts to show range vocally and emotionally and to confront how confusing life for a young woman can be. I thought that was like a really interesting quote because. No, I fucking love Ann Powers. Also, people should read her book, Good Booty. Yes. She had, she just had so much pressures on her. She wanted to, she had so much pressure as the one female rapper in this era to be successful. And I felt like there was no formula for it. So you end up with an album like Pink Friday that feels like it's sort of like, what the fuck is happening on this? You know what I mean? But it makes sense listening back to it, right? You know, it feels like it captured it captured that era perfectly it captured that era perfectly and she was doing the same thing that drake was doing and the same thing that kanye started later doing you know or sasha fierce i was thinking yeah like the sort of division of your like pop side and your hip-hop side and like having it be very separate pop and hip-hop were in such a battle at that point and like really all you could sort of do pop hip-hop and r&b all you could really do is just sort of put all of it into one thing and that was really such an era where Every album sort of almost sort of felt like that. Yeah, like split personality era yeah. of pop. Like, yeah. And for a female rapper, she must have felt like just an inordinate amount of pressure on her to like, how do I figure out how to have hits? Yeah, as a female rapper, it must have been very difficult. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And so she got a lot of criticism for songs like Right Through Me and stuff like that. But looking back, it made more sense to me. Or like a song like Fly, which like literally could have been a Rihanna song. Fly. Like she was trying to figure out a way to operate as a pop star. I mean, you know I mean, I honestly think it's uh, in retrospect, like it's. A, I mean, I re-listened to it today. Like it's in retrospect, it's a great album. It is. It it's was more album. enjoyable to it's, me now than I. I just remember being so disappointed. Absolutely. Like, I, was just like, I don't know what I was going to say. My favorite song on the record still is though is the one where it's just her against a huge hip hop beat and just dropping bars, which is did it on him. I'm always gonna like. Oh, I mean, you know, did, I did it on him is is iconic. Classic. It's iconic. All these bitches is my sons. And I'ma go and get some pips for them. A couple formulas, little pretty lids on them. If I had a dick, I would pull it out and piss on them. Let me shake it off. I just signed a couple deals, I might break you off. And we ain't making up, I don't need a mediator. Just let them bums blow steam. Radiator. We get so many of the classic Nikki things that are like recurring themes in her music, which are um, calling bitches her sons, of course. We, mm-hmm. we, uh, something Nikki enjoys finding numerous ways to refer to all of the bitches being her sons. Yeah. And of course, an emblem of that era of hip hop, which is the hashtag rapping. I don't know if you remember this whole thing. Yeah, if of you, course. If you could, if you, if you could turn back time, share used to be here. Now you're gone there. If you could turn back time, share. You used to be here. Now you're gone near. <laughs> I am a movie camera block. <laughs> she was like, I was just dying remembering that whole era of like every line was a hashtag rap. You know, the other thing I thought about listening to Pink Friday is like, she got so much criticism for like trying to go pop and all of that kind of thing in this era. But like coming from like hip hop to pop as she was, like how different is that from like Kesha coming the opposite direction of like yeah. Kesha essentially is a pop star because she's coded as a pop star because she's yeah. white. Well, obviously. well, that was the thing too. White pop stars have been constantly like cribbing from hip hop. For years, right? You know, and also it's not—it's not yeah. like she was cribbing from whiteness. You know, like Mm-mm. the biggest pop star that ever lived at that point when Pink Friday came right. out. Michael Jackson had just died. You know, like the biggest right. pop star in the world was black. You know, like pop mm-hmm. music was black music. 
So mm-hmm. I never got that criticism at all. Yeah. I mean, it's not that different than listening to Kesha rap on TikTok. Like, what's so different from that than from Nicki trying to make a song like Right Through Me? This was a huge transitional moment, I guess, like, where these genres, like, pop and hip-hop still felt, like, siphoned off from each other in a way that, like, they really don't at the current moment. And it just felt like stars from all over the spectrum were trying to find their way to, like, bring these two things together however awkwardly and a lot of these Nikki singles from Pink Friday speak to that so okay so Nikki drops these series of singles from Pink Friday she drops the album the album is a hit but the singles don't do as well as many of her features did right through me check it out your love they're like modest hits but they're not really smashes in the way that her features are and it's really not until a track organically blows up that's originally a bonus track on the album kind of thanks to like taylor swift rapping it on a radio show anything you want to hear okay i want to hear Nicki minaj super bass and i've been listening to it on repeat and uh, I really freak my friends out because I can recite every single lyric to the rap. So I said, and do excuse it. me, you're a hell of a guy. I mean, my, 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 like Pelican Fly. I mean, you're so shy and I'm loving you, Ty. Oh, <laughs> and the song blows up and becomes her first real solo smash top five single. This one is for the boys with the booming system. Top town AC with the coolest system. When he come up in the club, he be blazing up. Got stacks on deck like he's saving up. And he ill, he real, he might got a deal. He pop bottles and he got that right kind of bill. He cold, he dope, he might sell coke. He always in the air, but he never fly coach. To me, I sort of think of it as actually one of the more organic marriages of pop and rap Nikki. Like, you have her kind of like spitting in an exciting, fast way on the verses, and you got kind of the pop hook simultaneously. And it's sort of in the conversation with the sort of like up-tempo dance music EDM of that era. It kind of made sense to me listening back why that song would have clicked in a sense more than the other Shout songs. Shout out to Esther, um, who also should have had a bigger yeah, career. yeah, another Rihanna um, adjacent but, person. Know, it's fun. It's just like it hits yeah. you automatically. And it's just sort it's of like- It's a dance song, unlike a lot of songs on this record. This was a big moment for dance music. This is an up-tempo dance song. It's interesting that it got thrown on there as a bonus track. And when they were trying to find pop hits, you know, if you're going to have a pop hit in 2010, it better be a fucking dance song, you know? And I think that was like an interesting thing that they didn't see that clearly at the beginning. Looking back, it is to me listening to that record, it's the obvious hit. Like why, you know, in a sense- because it's like most in conversation with what pop music was sounding like at that time. Of course. So Pink Friday's a big success. Nikki's obviously the biggest female rapper in the world, and I think does a decent job of establishing herself as a pop star during the Pink Friday era. And Super Bass kind of leads the way for the lead single to her next album, where she sort of takes the idea of making a dance record I think Superbase treads the line between sort of seeming like like she isn't going full tilt into making an EDM song, but the lead single from, from Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded, is a very controversial song. Starship. Why do you think people loathed Starships so much when it came out. 
I mean, Starships is giving like Kmart. It's giving <laughs> Old Navy commercial. It's giving Dance Dance Revolution. But and it's giving like Lady Gaga, Jennifer Lopez. Like it's yeah. giving like pure pop girls of the moment. Yes, right? rap is non-existent on this song. Do you feel like that's th- that the criticism is warranted looking back on Starships? The criticism may be a little bit warranted on this one because it was just sort of like a what is going on. <laughs> but you cannot deny that Starships bangs. I fucking love Starships. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's like my hot take. I again, Starships was another moment where I was like deeply disappointed. I just remember being like, oh, Nikki, like, all I want from you is to fucking go ham on like a fucking hip hop beat. And you're giving us Starships. And also, I remember her framing Roman Reloaded as like, guys, I know I tried to make a pop album with my last album, but like, this is going to be me going back to roots. That's why she called it Roman Reloaded. It was supposed to be like, I'm going back to my rapping roots. And then the lead single was a Red One produced like dance track. And I just remember being like, what the fuck? But I now think Starships is like one of the great EDM pop songs of that era. I love Starships, you know? And like, it took her a couple yeah. singles, but like, she did follow it up with. Like one of her best hip hop songs too, which is Bees in the Trap. Bitches ain't shit and they ain't saying nothing. A hundred motherfuckers can't tell me nothing. I bees in the trap, beat bees in the trap. I bees in the trap, beat bees in the trap. Yeah, exactly. So Starships comes out. Starships becomes her biggest hit as a solo artist yet. It peaks at number two. It's very controversial because it seems like it's even poppier than this sort of oft-criticized pop music she attempted on the original Pink Friday. And then she drops this album, her second record, Pink Friday, Roman Reloaded. And is, frankly, I mean this, like one of the most insanely sequenced albums I've ever heard in my life. It starts with Roman Holiday, which we'll touch on, but it goes through a series of, like, kind of the hardcore rap tracks you would have wanted for Nicki on the first half, like Bees in the Trap, which you just brought up, kind of, like, spitting Nicki over spare hip-hop beats, which was, like, kind of what her original fans had always wanted from her on an album. You've got her, like, dropping serious bars, and you've got all the personas she's kind of, like, cycling through, both, like, being, like, a really hard, technically incredible rapper and being, like, genuinely unhinged in the way that she expresses these different personalities to the point where it is kind of jaw-dropping and is, to me, the height of her artistry. And then transitions randomly in the middle into, like, an anonymous eating dance pop album for the second half before devolving into just utter chaos in the back. Now you know third. me. You know I've li- I've listened to this album in a row often. I'll just put it on when I'm driving. <laughs> it's such whiplash, but it's insane. It's like uh, well, I, actually, I was listening to it in a row at the gym today. Oh no with, way! With my trainer, I put it on, and yep. I mean, it's just like it is whiplash because it goes from Roman Holiday. Which one of the most insane songs that has ever been made in life. You you hoes bugging the pale ass. Me tell you this sister. I am I am colder than a blister. Cause my friends are sick and I'm alone. I'm taking this can't be cured with no elixir. Cause y'all know who the fuck what the fuck I do. I don't put the pressure to every duck I know. Why do I do a duck and a chick I do? Put the hyena in a freak on zoo. You make your man. 
frankly unhinged to the point of almost being avant-garde. Like, perhaps one of the most, like, avant-garde, whether intentionally or not, pop tracks, like, that I can remember in recent times. Insane, and one of the most insane TV live performances ever. Like, it's truly yeah. abysmal, um, but beautiful, beautifully <laughs> abysmal. Come on a cone, really? which is truly one of my favorite okay. Nikki songs. Okay, right. Come on a cone is the second song. I was going to say, I think the single greatest moment Nikki has ever put on wax, at least on one of her own songs, is when she drops into an operatic singing of Dick in Your Face for a solid. Dick on your face. This is Cell. Now don't you feel real stupid. Yeah, that's egg on your face. If you wasn't so ugly, I'd put my dick in your face. Dick in your face. Put my dick in your face. Shake my head, yo, I'm mad. Ain't a bitch in my zone. In the middle of nowhere, I just feel so alone. Got the certification, cause it come with the stone. But this ice is so cold. It should come on the go. It should come on the go. It should come on the go. Man, my ice is so cold. It should come on the go. It should come on the go. It should come on the go. Cause my ice is so cold. <laughs> I think that is the pinnacle of Nikki's discography. Uh, and I mean that. The like, beat's great too. She's rapping along to it like rapid mm-hmm. fire. Like, that is one of my favorite Nikki's ever. Because the crazier, the better. I mean, the more yeah. she lets herself just be berserk, the better, I, f- I always feel like. Which is why it's always kind of awkward to watch her try to pigeonhole herself into more kind of basic-sounding songs. I mean, most of these songs are great until you get to the pop. Like, I well, it's d- like you get this incredible kind of like Nicki rap album, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, you're in a Jennifer Lopez album. Yeah. Pound <laughs> the alarm. Come on. Pound the alarm is on the floor. <laughs> they're they're actually great in retrospect, but it's just so crazy that she did that. Like she was just yes. like, I'm gonna make every kind of song possible. Like a- uh, in automatic, one by the way, automatic justice uh, for automatic. I was literally like, could Beautiful Sinner be like a hyper pop song with Charlie XCX on it? Yes. I mean, listen, I've long said this because a lot of my close friendships are Sagittarius's. And as a Leo, like a Leo Sagittarius bond is so iconic. And I had a friend who really loved Charlie XCX and I got into Charlie XCX because of him. And then he got more into Nicki Minaj because of me. And I just kept thinking about like their Leo Sagittarius like connection because Charlie's a Leo, Nicki's a Sagittarius. I'm like, them them being together on a track would just like, it would explode my brain. We need that. We need that. We, we need, need that. She's one of the Charlie is one of the only pop stars Nikki hasn't collaborated with. Yes. I pulled this quote out from her for Complex where she was again getting criticized for which is like in in retrospect feels kind of like racist and sexist to me for like having these sort of like 
broad range of styles on her album and attempting to go pop. You know, there was just, there's a whole loaded dynamic in there. And she said, I'm doing it to prove myself that I don't have to settle for less because I'm a female rapper or because I'm black. And I was like, that's a really interesting way to think about it because it helps you understand this wild album. Of she had to be so many things to so many people in order to knock this door down of like making a female rapper a pop star. Like she had so much pressure on her and, and that's she how you wants up to be a albums. pop star. She wants to be famous. Exactly. And one of the funniest lines ever, which just shows you what where she wants to be positioned, is on one of my favorite songs on the album, Roman Reloaded. And she's mm-hmm. like, I guess I went commercial, just shot a commercial. When I went to the set, though, they didn't fly commercial. Fly commercial, yeah. I guess I went commercial, just shot a commercial. When I flew to the set, though, I ain't fly commercial. And the ad is global, yeah, ad was local. Where we shot it was a lot of different agricultural. So I laugh at hopefuls. Nikki Pop, only thing that pop is my endorsement. I fuck around, I have to go and reinforce the clock. Your, your and, and ad was saying, local. My ad was global. And then she's like, I'm out in Ellie at the Ice Age taping. I'm like, what are you rapping about, Nikki? <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know, it's just so funny because, like, sheer insanity that we loved about, like, what we were just talking about on Come on a Cone also could be encapsulated in this album. Like, of course. This woman's talents and her personality is hard to contain in one album. Like, it's too, it's, she's so sprawling as an artist. You know what I mean? She did it all for everybody. It's genuinely an incredible artifact of 2012 when it came out. Like, if you want to just, like, hear a smorgasbord of, like, what might have been happening in every aspect of pop music in 2012, go listen to Pink Friday. It, it's also sad that one of her rudest and best lines is no longer factually true. Which is? I'm Angelina. You're Jennifer. Come on, bitch. You see where Brad at? Do you have any favorite Nikki features from this kind of era, this like mid 2012s era? Like she was doing a lot of pop features at this moment. Like we got Till the World Ends. We got the David Guetta song, Turn Me On. PB, Remember PB, that one? Who's People Bryson? Yes. <laughs> I love her David Guetta collabs. I have a soft spot for Give Me All Your Loving. Oh God, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> I mean, Beauty and the Beat. Yes, iconic. <laughs> I love when Nikki like turns in a PG rated performance, like just to like make sure she can be. A- this is the cute. I gotta mean, watch out for Selena. Yes, I mean like there's reason like her features are really the iconic moments. Like her features are like still steeped in pop culture. We the reason people keep referencing Selena Gomez as Selena is because Nicki Minaj <laughs> said it on a Justin Bieber song. She always, and also like her, her ability to sort of like meet the artist where they are and give them what this song particular in particular needs. Like she's so mm-hmm. versatile in that way. The fact that she could go on and be on like a Yo Gotti song and be like the nastiest, hardest, like whatever, and then pop over and do like this like cutesy little verse on this Justin Bieber song. 
I think highlights something that makes Nikki so special and why she works so well as features artist. So she has like another huge moment with this album, although controversial because I think Starships is like a huge knock to her credibility. Like in the hip hop world, there's a really famous incident in this time where she's supposed to perform at Summer Jam and she's supposed to headline. And that's like a huge deal to have a female rapper headlining Hot 97 Summer Jam. It's probably like the first time and maybe that's ever happened. And this radio host for Summer Jam, Peter Rosenberg, gets on stage in the pre-show and disses Starships. Something about like how Starships isn't real hip hop. Now, hold on. Before I get to the real hip hop shit of the day, because I see the real hip hop heads sprinkled in here. I see them. I know there's some chicks here waiting to sing Starships later. I'm not talking to y'all right now. Fuck that bullshit. I'm here to talk about real hip-hop shit. And Nikki then bails on the, on the show. And it was just, I only sell that story to illustrate, like, Nikki, again, like, I just sort of the pressures that she was under. I was having a lot of empathy for her thinking back on this period of, like, I'd forgotten, okay, about, I'd only, forgotten about that. <laughs> well, she's the only female rapper. She's hold, She's shouldering so much. Like, she wants to be this certain level of success. There's no blueprint for a female rapper ever being as successful of a pop star as Nikki is at this time. And, like, trying to balance that in an environment where most pop music still in this sort of mid-2010s period is not really hip-hop. It's, again, it's these glistening pure pop songs. She really is kind of having to wear all of these hats. And it, it's, it's an interesting, like line she's constantly walking of which course. is leads me to her next record which is the pink print i think anaconda being the lead single from the pink print is an interesting moment where pop nikki and rap nikki meet on a single maybe for the first time in a way that like makes sense my anaconda don't my anaconda don't my anaconda don't want none unless you got buns hun boy toy named troy used to live in detroit I just feel like we get kind of a more, it's obviously a pop record. It's obviously aimed at going number one on the charts. She's still kind of rapping and giving the silly personas. It's not so flattened in the way that Starships or Pound the Alarm is. And it works. And maybe it's a sign of the time shifting and the changes to pop music that Nikki has helped usher in in terms of bringing rap and pop together. But talk to me about the Pink Print and how that works in the evolution. I mean, I feel like Pink Print is one that fans will, either with Pink Friday or this, like Pink Print is at least a better collection of like songs yes. and feels like yes. more coherent. Like, I Agreed. love Anaconda. I loved it when it came me out too. and it's great. And it's the melding of Super Bass and Starships into like really giving you pop, rap, great yeah. Nikki. Yes, because it, it, fe it feels like she's not, there's something frustrating about watching her siphon herself off in this way, even though I think we've discussed why she was doing that. There is something kind of frustrating on those early albums about why she sort of is like, here's half of me and here's the other half and they can never come together and meet or only rarely do they come together and meet. I feel like on the pink print, like on songs like Feeling Myself, on songs like Anaconda, we get these two sides of her like coexisting on one song in a way that feels more natural and more fluid mm -hmm. and less crazy whiplash insanity. You know what I mean? And then you get one of her like 
best, maybe actually her best single, which is only. Never fuck Wayne, I never fuck Drake. All my life, man, fuck sake. If I did, I menage with him and let him eat my ass like a cupcake. My man fool, he just ate. I don't duck nobody but tape. Yeah, that was a setup for a punchline on duct tape. Only and Truffle Butter being on this album. Mm. Like, it is chef's kiss, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. And also... This is her best. This is her best album. Yeah. No and The Night Is Still Young made even more iconic because The Night Is Still Young, and that was after her beef with Miley and Taylor. And I will always say that these, these are two Sagittarius fighting with each other. Yeah. Uh, I always yeah. say that you never really win against Taylor Swift. Because Taylor Swift no. is sort of like a Nikki in that, so like she'll always find she'll always yeah. find a way, well she'll always find a way to win. You know, there's always mm -hmm. a, there's all if you come into a fight with Taylor, there's always going to be mm -hmm. an angle that's mm -hmm. usually like, oh, you're being sexist, or oh, like mm -hmm. some like some something that will allow her to win. Well, and just to clarify for listeners, this beef arose when. Bad Blood was nominated for Video of the Year at the VMAs, and Anaconda was not, which was very shocking because it's definitely one of Nikki's best, most iconic videos. And it's like a real celebration of like curvy black women and bodies. And Nikki tweeted something that never mentioned Taylor, but just that the VMAs tend to overlook videos that are like that in favor of like skinnier white bodies. And Taylor then took that personally and sort of came back at her and said, why are you pitting women against each other? This was like Taylor's proto-feminist era or whatever. And Nikki was like, girl, I was not talking about you. And then Taylor said something like, come on stage with me if I win. Like, I will be on any stage with you anytime you want. Anyway, so that was kind of like the origin of that quote-unquote beeflet or whatever and it all kind of culminated when nikki performed the night is still young on the vmas with taylor that year what i find so interesting about when nikki and taylor mended their fences after their little beef mm -hmm. and performed the night is still young at the vmas is yep. that nikki was the one person that taylor went up against that she couldn't win against because <laughs> She Taylor would try to pull her usual, like, oh, maybe it was a man that took your spot. And then Nikki was like, this sounds a little racist, Taylor. And Taylor was like, all right, all right, we are friends. Let's fix this up. Let's perform at the VMAs together. I cannot be called racist again, not after Shake It Off. Back to the pink print for a sec. It, you know, it's interesting though, because you still get like one of my favorite weird Nikki ticks on an album, which is comes on like the absolutely insane song Grand Piano. I have to ask you regarding Grand Piano and songs like it, Marilyn Monroe being another one, where she sort of is like doing an impression of singing. I yes. can't help but describe it that way.
Like, do you think she's singing that seriously, or is she trying to make fun of singing? <laughs> like, what is? She's, you know how she does that. You, you know, know what she is doing. She, like, she knows what she is doing. You know what I'm talking about though, where she? It's like she's yes. she's doing an impersonation of singing. Here's the thing that I will tell you. <laughs> I know many singers who sing like that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and people call them good, uh, but we'll, sure, I'm not sure, going to sure, name sure. any names. Another topic. Uh, We're short I'm not on time. We gotta names. keep going. I'm not even talking famous <laughs> people. I'm talking people I know personally. But um, sure, sure, sure. This makes so much sense to me because every person who has been a theater kid who wasn't really yeah. like a belter <laughs> or a singer was all there was always a point where you're were backstage or you're watching the show or whatever and you wish that you were the person singing someone to watch over me you wish you were doing that Absolutely. big Gershwin number in the song yes. right that showstopper yes. and yeah. Nikki's theater kids all said you know what I'm going to do it grand piano mm -hmm. is her doing like you know, like an act to solo <laughs> in a musical, okay? that This is what she is doing here. Do you think it's intentionally... Like, this is my question. Is it camp? Because yes. camp has to be unintentional, and I kind of feel like it is unintentional. It is. Like, it's, unintentional. Like... <laughs> it's unintentional. It's unintentional. I think is a wonderful example of camp. That's what I was thinking about when I was listening well, to Well, and it also today. has, it also has um, Will I Am, so... Oh my God! Right, another moment where Will I Am gave us like the most garish thing that pop music could ever produce. Yeah. Also, I just want to also shout out Fordor of Ventador. It's oh, so that underrated. Song. That's her best Biggie Old flow. Hit me on the celly, watching Pelly, Godson. I could see they study Machiavelli. Peanut butter pins got them jelly at the deli. If you feeling like a ninja, I got a machete. Hell yeah, them girls bad, but I'm fucking heavy. I'ma fuck around and have him looking like spaghetti. I say some shit, he be like, yo, you so legendary. But he could tell just by my face, he ain't getting any. As usual, Nikki's best songs on this album are kind of the more straight-ahead rapping songs. And as we said, there are a lot more of like a fluid integration of Nikki's various styles on many songs in this album. But there still is this kind of weird sort of like dichotomy between sort of pop Nikki and kind of like that kind of pairs with emo Nikki as we get on Grand Piano and the rap songs. And there's a slew of songs at the beginning that are clearly meant to be like Nikki's most personal songs ever. They're I Lied, The Crying Game, All Things Go. Cherish these nights, cherish these people. Life is a movie, but there'll never be a sequel. And I'm cool with that, as long as I'm peaceful. As long as seven years from now, I'm taking my daughter to preschool. Sometimes when Nikki tries to like be like I'm burying my soul, yeah. it doesn't always click for me. Like because they're always it always feels like she's doing a performance yeah. of emotions rather than actually like sharing anything actually vulnerable. Well, Did you ever get I, that she, vibe? well, she's that and Gaga are, have that sort of similarity. You know, I don't know. Gaga gives me open heart. Well, it's Gaga gave open heart later. There was a part mm -hmm. where Gaga was really performing yes. the image of a pop star. It was commentary, right? And, right, I, and right. I don't know if Nikki was doing commentary but she has always sort of been performing the image of a pop star if that makes sense right including on these songs like the, and there's, I, there's it does theater like, kids you know i keep going back to that but it's it's the it's the theatricality it's just it's yeah. always a persona right, right that's so true that's such a good point i don't think we've ever really gotten a vulnerable moment from nikki no exactly i was just gonna say it's like her swagger is very authentic to me like when you get nikki swagging and like grabbing her balls on a song i feel like that's coming from like the core of her mm -hmm. being when i get when nikki tries to like tell you like i'm telling 
of like you were revealing story, like all things go or all of these early songs on the pink print, it always rings slightly hollow and false to me. Like, and I think what you're getting at is why it's like the performance of what she thinks vulnerability is. She's never quite created like an actually vulnerable sounding song to me. Because I don't think she ever wants to let herself be that vulnerable with the public. Right, which... With the public or anyone so else. So true. Why do you think so? Why do you think that? Uh, I think she thinks it will make her weaker, you know? Or like, mm. it's like an Achilles heel. It gives an opening, you know? to For yeah. enemies or whatever, you know? Or just like, you know, like, I get it as a person who used to be closed off emotionally. Right. You know, it's easy to just put these walls up and just keep them there. What do you think makes her have to feel so tough? Like, why does she have to be so tough? You have so many huge pop stars that show vulnerability and that's their ace card. You have Adele, you have, you know, Taylor Swift. You have all these artists that have the vulnerability and revealing themselves to people is their key. Why does Nikki have to be so tough? I know because people don't really like look on um, tears and emotions from black women favorably, you know? Mm -hmm. They don't. And unfortunately, she the relationships that she's been in mm -hmm. haven't been the kind that like she could get like a lemonade out of it, you know? Like you have to be almost a Beyonce We don't know level. that. It's we very, don't know that. I know, but you have to be sort of a Beyonce level to have someone matter like that. You know, unfortunately, right. like even her current husband and stuff like that is still on the level of like, look how much sympathy, you know, Rihanna got post Chris Brown, you know? Not a lot. Yeah. You know, I, th I think that just for black women, you don't get that. And she knows right. that. And she would rather be strong and be swaggerful than like um, really, really vulnerable. Mm. And it's unfortunate. Yeah. I think it is too, because I think that she kind of needs that. At That's the point. missing like, piece for, for It's the missing piece. It's always been. And it's why she's, I think she's never really made a great, great album either, because you kind of need that piece. It's the missing piece for her art. But if I can also say it's the, it's the missing piece for her heart. Oh, oh my God, Ira. Yeah. I didn't realize we were going to get so deep in that moment. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And it's interesting because her public persona, I feel like, has calcified so much in later years. Like, she's now got this really kind of, the, the whole Chun-Li, I'm the bad guy, everybody's out to get me. She has this kind of paranoid, sort of, like, walled-off persona that I feel like has kind of a result of what you're speaking about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about is once Nikki busted this door down, let's say in the early 2010s, why did it take until Cardi for other female rappers to occupy this huge space in popular culture? Like, was that by her own design, do you think? Or do you think there was something special that about Nikki? I think partly so. They're both, you know? But I think, you know, like mm -hmm. when you're that guarded, you know, and you're, you know, that afraid of like someone coming for the spot. You know, like you've yeah, got to, right. you've always, you've got to be the leader. You know, everyone else is your son. You're not going to let Eve Harrington come in through the stage right, door. Right, <laughs> right. And, and I think that that only speaks to kind of what we were talking about earlier in the conversation about how there was so many eras of female rappers where there really only was a, one slot or two slots or whatever. Like we're finally now in a moment where we've finally let that go. And like female rappers are having a big moment. But it really does speak to like the culture that Nikki's a product of, which like I think she really did feel like she she had to hang on to the one spot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What would you want to see her do next? I would love a black album, you know, sort of from her. I would right. love sort of, you know, just sort of like a laid back hip hop, mm. relaxed. And maybe some emotion and, and, and some like yeah. soul or soul yeah. hip hop or yeah, and some emotional right. vulnerability. We need that. I'm with you on that. I, I I really am happy that we talked about that because I feel like that has really been a missing piece in her artistry, yeah. and she needs that. I mean, think about not just we, for I love, have, you know, not just her right. relationship, but also her relationship no. to fans, her relationship to fame, her relationship her to like, like, like her history. We don't know that much about her. Yeah, 
I mean, the the expectations she feels that are put on her, you know? Think about this, Ira. Like, what have been the albums that have, like, opened up new eras for pop stars in recent memory? Ray of Light, extremely vulnerable album. Beyonce self-titled, extremely vulnerable album where she, like, really let us in in a way that we had never been let in before. Thank You, Next, extremely vulnerable album where she let us in on a lot. You know, you kind of have to bring that at a certain point or everybody loses interest, you know what I mean? And she's really milked this one sort of thing for a long, long time. I feel like whether Nikki ends up being sort of like a has-been at this point and her, like, peak years are over or she really, like, reignites sort of interest in her career beyond just within the fan community has a lot to do with whether she can show us more in a real way not in a theater kid like performative way not in not in a come see about me kind how do we see Nikki's impact in pop or in hip-hop when we look at out at the landscape today where do you see Nikki's impact most clearly I mean we see it really in just sort of like this swagger you know that people are allowed mm. to have the wordplay I, I, I mean I love love bag Cardi my city girls you know a lot of like mm-hmm. I love female rappers but you know like for me the wordplay that's mm-hmm. Nick that's Nikki's game. I agree. And also just like being a boss ass bitch as a rapper and a pop star and like being unapologetic about blending those two things together, I feel like is her is a huge aspect of her legacy. She created a situation where female rappers didn't just have to like be credible within the old rules of hip hop. They could do so much more. And I feel that like maybe she was clunky in some of the ways that she knocked some of those doors down, like through a starships, through these, (laughs) through these, some of these more like weird moments in her discography that we've been talking about. But by doing that, she's created a lane where these artists don't have to do stuff like that. Megan, Cardi, they can be pop stars and credible rappers and hip hop stars. It's all one giant soupy thing. I feel like that's Nikki's legacy. Waiting for you, strawberries lingerie. You told me you want away. Mess around, mess around, put it down on you. I'm gonna do everything I said I'm gonna do. So let's talk about the Pantheon for a second. Mm-hmm. I have my thoughts of where Nikki belongs in the Pantheon. Do you want me to share first or would you like to share? You can go first. I'm going to say that I think Nikki is cuspy three to two. I'm I, That's where I'm confused about. I think... As I was sort of getting out with you off mic, I think her career and discography is really unique and interesting because, first of all, let's just put it out there. She has the most Billboard Hot 100 charting songs of any female artist in history. Mm -hmm. History. Everybody. More than everybody. More than Rihanna. More than Aretha Franklin. More than Beyonce. I mean, that is insane but at the same time as we were talking about she sort of like doesn't have these classic album eras that i tend to associate like with a lot of the pop stars in these like upper tiers like where you know so that is where i start to it gets a little mucky for me but if i'm just going off of my instinct and like what i believe Nicki minaj's legacy will be i'd say she's probably a two i say she's a two as well she's a two because i think she also she doesn't have the albums but you know what I think that she really sort of created a lane of features and those things like that. And that's not a thing that anyone else has really done. And honestly, a rap feature is really fucking hard to do. Agreed. And we have so many rappers, male or female, who don't even really have good features. Totally. They they appear on a song and it's sort of like it's a throwaway. 
and the versatility of the features. I mean, she has been on every type of song imaginable. There's not one type, like subgenre of pop that Nicki Minaj has not participated okay. in. Crippy, crippy crush. <laughs> like that song. Like she's was on it? Latin songs. Wait, wasn't she on an Avril song too? Like she was on like a pop punky Avril song? Yes. Like, there's just not, there's no type of song but what that I Nikki can't do. That's versatility. You know, and the other thing that I was thinking about when you were just saying that is like what we were talking about earlier in the conversation, which is that the album era is kind of like increasingly less important as time goes on so it is as we're sort of seeing this fall apart like she maybe saw that. holding that in such high esteem is retrograde she saw that time. she's a soothsayer i just she, want to say <laughs> that a, a bad bunny song is like one of her <laughs> best is like her some of her best wordplay like uh had all these bitches rocking pink hair and bangs though. Now I got them rocking inches now, but I'll leave these bitches hanging like lynches now. Wordplay got them <laughs> stepping up their pinses now. Still stick me for my flow like syringes now. Still kicking closed hey. doors off the hinges now. Come on. Hey. Come on. She, is, she created a lane that nobody else has ever done and I would put her at two because also if you're looking at the other people in tier three, it's just sort of like, no. it's sort of like I think she's crossed over to that point. Like even if she is not getting a top 10 song ever again no one yeah. <laughs> no one would ever categorize nikki in the same way that you would categorize like katie culturally and sort of like yeah. messy and gossip tabloidy ways nikki has yeah. like had some drama but i don't yeah. think anyone would ever say that nikki has had a flop era music wise queen queen well queen yes queen <laughs> I think Nikki's got a way bigger chance of having a hit in 2021, 22 than Katy Perry does. But no questions asked. Like, that's easy. Yeah, she's got a bigger chance of having a hit than Shawn Mendes does. So then I think she has a bigger chance of having a hit than Lady Gaga does. Yeah. Is that a hot take? No. I, I'm just going. Maybe I'm, it's I'm, a hot I'm, take, but I agree. I agree. I'm going to, I'm just going to quickly just make sure before we settle on this. Okay. These are the requirements for tier two. Highly relevant and producing numerous, at least 15 genuine hit songs. Easily, no question, absolutely, yes, this woman has, what, 75 hit songs? I yeah. mean, it's insane. Can be referred to mononymously, and even casual pop fans know who you're talking about? Absolutely. Everyone knows Nikki, who Nikki there's is. No, there's no Nikki other Nikki. At least one musical era that defined a certain period of pop. That's interesting. She did. I mean, if we're talking about, like, a like a Starships, like, she really created that lane of, like, a rapper just really just not yeah. even a rap a pop not song. a rap pop literally being like right. the song is actually going to just be pop uh, just, just, just a pop song it's just pop <laughs> yeah. and I also think that if we looked back on 2010 to 2012 and we were like who are the defining artists of this period she would be on that list absolutely right yeah Um. okay generation defining agreed I think so I think if you grew up with Nicki Minaj she is one of the generation defining pop artists of that time yeah kind of what we were just saying uh, at least one successful reinvention or music image overhaul. I'm not totally sure we've ever had that. Yeah. Yes. Like at some point she stopped wearing the wigs. That's yes. the only thing I can think of. That's only, that doesn't really count. And also, as we said, it's like her album eras are so non-distinct that it's hard to sort of mm -hmm. even think about her discography in this way. But yeah. what I will say for her as a plus in this column is that she, again, the versatility of styles that she's been able to inhabit over time. Maybe it's her version of that, in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, produced multimedia moments that defined an era. Absolutely. I mean, anything from, I think, like, A, the more classical ones, like her music videos, but also, like, the beefs. Yeah. The memes of her. You, you know, you bitches can't even spell prom. Attention! This is how bad bitches be in London to go to prom. You 
<laughs> yes. History. Um, um, she could tour. Tw- you think at so? Arena, at, you I don't think know, so? But maybe. It depends. She canceled that Queen tour out of nowhere. We sure didn't know did. why. Maybe now there's pent up desire. Like if she if she wants to tour like post pandemic, I think we're all like so. Yes. But she could do I a mean, Vegas residency. Absolutely. Definitely. Ab- in fact, like, should Nikki do a Vegas residency? Like, now that we're saying that? Yeah. I don't know. You I kind of feel say, like she should. If she released new music now, would it be highly covered? It was. I mean, when she did BB no and Scotty question. with Seeing Green and that coming back, no it question. was a story. And if she dropped, like, an, an official lead single from a new album, it would be a big deal. Absolutely. If she, like, announced a new album, it would be a new deal. Legacy, largely set in stone? I think so. I think Nikki's legacy is pretty secure at this yeah. point, like, in many ways. I think she could build on it. In, she could. In the ways we talked about. In the ways we talked about. Like, there's parts of her we still haven't gotten to see. It's not like Beyonce where, like, her... Beyonce's legacy is set in stone. Like, yeah. she has nothing left to prove. Yes. You know what I mean? Even if she continues going, like, a Kanye route, we've seen that, like, we'll still eventually bounce back to caring about them <laughs> absolutely absolutely there's like culture is easy to forgive and forget i think mm-hmm. no one can really be canceled i think she could headline the super bowl what do you think about that yeah i think she could no i think she i don't could. know you seemed like you hesitated i think she could i think she could but she'd have to clean up the image of it <laughs> she'd get no she'd give us uh starships and super base and uh anaconda the censored version um yes. plus, and she bring plus, and the and she could bring already, out every guest. Plus she's also performed at the Super Bowl. Oh, of course. Of course. All right, so tier 2, I feel good about that. You feel good about that? I feel absolutely good about that. All right, so last question before we get out of here. What is your favorite underrated Nikki song? Maybe something we haven't talked about yet that we could go out on. Could be a feature, could be a doesn't matter. Just Nikki Nikki appearance. My favorite underrated, really sort of underrated is Take It to the Head. DJ Khaled. I listen to that song constantly. I love Take It to the Head. I think that's a great one that I totally forgot about. So thank you for reminding me. So we're going to go out on Take It to the Head. Ira Madison, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for letting (laughs) me talk about the queen. Yes, baby. Nobody comes till the queen comes. No <laughs> reputation for busting. Pussy open is nothing. Big fat nigga, all that huffing and puffing. Take me shopping in France, and me paying the bands. He got big balls, ran a play in his pants. All right, so that's all she wrote on Pop Pantheon, Nicki Minaj, a tier two megastar. The judgment is rendered. I want to extend a huge thank you to the glorious Ira Madison III for being such an incredible guest. Please rate, review, and subscribe to pop pantheon on apple Podcasts and spotify and wherever you listen to your podcasts please leave a review let me know who you want to have featured on the podcast next send your questions to pop pantheon pod at gmail.com so i can answer them on the upcoming mailbag episode join the discord chat tonight at 8 p.m 5 p.m pacific follow the pod at pop pantheon pod on instagram and twitter follow me dj l-o-u-i-e x-i-v on instagram and twitter and until next time have a wonderful life adios guys Tell you that you might take it to the head.